1: In a given month, over seventy percent of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on LinkedIn.com/people today.
2: This is Broad Radio for you, by you.
1: Broad Radio
3: here for more hello and welcome to broad radio i'm joe stanley and my co-host today is the hilarious and brilliant nelly thomas hi there nelly
4: (laughs) no pressure
3: (laughs) i wouldn't say it if it wasn't true
4: Oh, that's true. I think I'm feeling lockdown pressure, but I will take the compliment. Thank you. Thank you very much.
3: Yes. Well, look, I tell you what, I started the day feeling a bit flat, I think, as the world is. I mean, we're in the eastern side of Australia, which uh, is largely in lockdown and it's a pretty difficult time. Melbourne has had a bit of a knockabout in the last 24 hours and I was feeling a little flat and then I've spent the last hour chatting with you and it's just, I feel so much better. You're a delight, Nelly. Oh, bless! look, I think it's true, like all jokes aside,
4: it's serious, isn't it? Like if you actually can summon the kind of energy to connect with a friend, you know, or like have a laugh or like try and find some point of connection because we literally, our neural pathways need that, mm-hmm. you know, as we have been in lockdown for so long. I mean, I, did you see that hideous thing the other day? I think Melburnians have been in lockdown more than 200 days or something, to, like mm. was some hideous amount where I went, oh. Um, but on the flip side, I also think, okay, that's why I feel like this then. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like it's an acknowledgement, you know, when you're feeling tired or my memory is definitely affected. I'm finding it hard to read, you know, mm. things like that. I kind of feel a bit stupid.
3: That's so interesting. Like, oh, hi. I'm not stupid, it's lockdown. Yeah, you're so right. I've, I sit and look at a book and somehow the words just, it takes such yeah. concentration sometimes. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. I thought yeah. I thought it had been the lockdown wine that was having the,
5: <laughs> the impact. <laughs> which well, I, I
4: think it's, it's my, I mean, this is obviously my lay understanding, but I heard a neurologist talking about it the other day and he was saying literally different neural pathways are activated by social interaction, by Water cooler conversations by you know a whole range of things that we are not currently having, Mm. and so quite you know quite literally parts of the brain aren't firing. Oh, so when you sit down to read a read a book, I like read the same page three times and then think, oh, I'll just go and watch the voice. (laughs) Yeah,
3: well, we're going to get to that in a minute because I know that you're a super fan of reality TV. We'll get to that in a minute. Just letting you know what is on the show today. We really want this to be an uplifting show today because we're aware that the headlines are pretty tricky to digest at times so we've got a super fun show later in the show Bet Goddard AFLW coach for the Hawks is joining us she's an absolute delight stick around for that Um, we're also going to be speaking with some beautiful broad radio listeners who are going to share with us the things that are lifting them throughout their days and we're going to also be speaking about climate change it's not it, I mean, it is it is bleak, but there's hope. We're going to find out how we can find yes. hope in in and amongst the future of uh, our planet when we speak with CEO of Climate for Change, Lena Herrera-Pikarski. She's going to be joining us, joining us soon as well. And, of course, we do run once, a, every week we run a one-question poll. It's our More to Say poll because we want to just get a test of the temperature of the room. And in recent, in the last week, actually, Nellie, we asked the question about reality TV. Because it is yeah. everywhere at the moment. It's reality TV season. We gave people the option of being unashamedly a fan. Well, I hate them all. It's a vacuous waste of time. Or <laughs> it's a guilty pleasure, but I don't necessarily yeah. admit. What do you reckon? Do you reckon the majority of Broad Radio listeners are fans of reality TV?
4: Um, I'm going to say yes.
3: You're I'm going correct. to
4: say somewhere between yes and guilty pleasure.
3: You're correct. Only 35% said they hate them and that is a vacuous waste of time. So that is the caliber of our audience. That's a lot. <laughs>
4: That's well, it is a lot. a lot. Yeah.
5: You, you know, love I find, them.
4: I do love them. And I find it a really interesting question because people, I mean, this sounds completely up myself, but people don't expect me to like reality TV. Like, I think if you present in any way as being thoughtful, you know, reflective, intelligent that you, like how could you possibly enjoy reality TV? But, mate, I have the same view of sport, you know. Like I could like give you a critique of the culture of football and the effect of of that, the toxic masculinity on society. Mm -hmm. I'm not sure why that's any better or worse than Survivor. I can watch it critically, you know. I don't just swallow it. I don't just watch it and kind of go, oh, well, now I think I need a boob job.
3: (laughs) I think think people think that reality TV and, you know, let's say there's sort of Survivor, which is maybe the reality TV with some sort of – people think there's some – That's the good one. That's the good one, right? And then it goes down in scale to, I don't know, Bachelor or whatever. Or the worst is Love Island, I guess. But, you know, I suppose people think that it's the fall of – civilization because <laughs> what does it mean for us as humanity
4: yeah but people thought Shakespeare was the fall of civilization as well because <laughs> he was a serialist you know what I mean so I'm not trying to compare maths to Shakespeare and I do think there's obviously critique to be had like I think there's a vast difference between Survivor of which I'm a massive fan and something like Married at First Sight which I think is brutal exploitation particularly mm. because there's health professionals involved like that's a whole different scenario to have three health experts encouraging toxic behavior as far as I'm concerned as opposed to survivor which is kind of it's a bit of a laugh really isn't it oh, it's an interesting I love it. behavior absolutely I'm mad for it
3: yeah mad I- for it I mean it is such a beautiful example of Team into play and leadership and relationships and oh, it's so fantastic! I really, it's super interesting and it really started almost as an experiment, didn't it, of human behaviour Survivor.
4: (laughs) See, I won I always wonder with that one with Jeff probes. I'm like, do you believe that, buddy? Because, say, he's the host (laughs) of American Survivor, and I think one of the creators, he's actually a psychologist by training, Ah. right? So, I think do you really think this is a social experiment or do you just know that we like to watch this stuff? Like I sort of waver. But either way, I think it's very interesting sociologically. Like mm. even on the level of looking at Australian Survivor compared to American Survivor, it is so much less diverse. Our population isn't, yeah. but the casting still is so much less diverse. And there's some there's an interesting conversation to be had in that mm. in Reality TV. Not reflecting reality
3: (laughs) at all. Why? Yeah. Also, I mean, and this is an aside, but a missed opportunity with this particular season of Australian Survivor because it's in the outback and there's no Aboriginal imagery. There's absolutely no embracing of the culture or the histories or the stories. Why? I'm so disappointed in that.
4: Yeah. I mean, there was one Aboriginal contestant, Gavin Mm. Wang but I think he was on more because he's a famous footballer Mm. than anything and he did get voted out early. Um, But, yeah, there seems to be a missed opportunity in in that. I mean, reality TV in general I think is quite interesting. Obviously, being in my industry, a lot of us don't like it because it takes away from funding of dramas and, you know, where are actors going to get roles and things like that. But I guess my argument would be, especially in Australia, drama has historically when reality tv started been so white and Mm. so you know everything able bodied and straight and all the rest of it and then reality tv popped in with far more diversity reflecting the population and people had a thirst for it people like to see themselves on tv so you know i think it's been helpful in that sense you look at australian idol can you imagine casey donovan at 16, an overweight 16-year-old Aboriginal goth, imagine her walking to a music studio and saying, can I have a deal? They would have gone, no chance, darling.
3: And she won. Yeah, and she's glorious. And what a contribution to our industry she is. Like, oh yeah, thank goodness. No, I agree. I think there's some amazing things about reality TV. So there you go. That was our recent More To Say poll. So next week, our, the yes. poll that's up at the moment, we're actually next week going to have on the show former MP Kate Alice, who oh is my. extraordinary, right? Um, yes. So we're actually, she brings a really honest perspective of what it's like to be a Member of Parliament. So for this week's poll, we are asking the question, and this is serious, more than ever, we need people who represent us in the Parliament. So have you ever thought of running for Parliament? Oh. i I sit in the yikes no thanks
4: category interesting i've got a degree in politics right so um (laughs) and a very quick funny story i toured with maria bamford the american comedian a long time ago and we shared a hotel room with her mum marilyn and that was quite an experience let me tell you and um marilyn may she rest in peace she would just wake up every morning she'd go Nellie thomas you are going into politics, and I'd be like, I'm really not interested in that, Marilyn. You're doing it. You're doing it. So I'm like, I've got the vibe of the the, the politician thing, mm-hmm. but I don't think I'm tough enough. Honestly, yes. I think I'm too I'm too soft in the heart for that.
3: Well, you know, there's a lot of talk around how it is extremely tough, particularly for women. So I look forward to speaking with Kate Ellis about that. But we would yeah, love you. Great. Head along to broadradio.com.au, fill in that one answer, question and you go in the running to win a beautiful love your hands hamper pack from Saba Organics, one of the world's only 100% certified organic skincare range. Absolutely beautiful there. So head along and answer that. We want to know, would you go into politics? I certainly would not, but we need people to stand up and do it. Now, Nelly, um, you might have felt like you need to run for parliament when the IPCC released their report on climate change last week. How's this for a segue? Because this- I did. Well, our our government is letting us down certainly when it comes yeah. to climate change yeah. and this particular report was really damning about the human influence and how we are responsible for global warming, but also particularly damning with regards to Australia what can we do as individuals so let's welcome our first guest to help us understand better what we can do as individuals she is co-ceo of climate for change lena herrera pekarski hello lena how are you going hello joe hello Nelly. nice to see you both. You Thank see. you so much for uh, joining us on Broad Radio. Can you tell us just very quickly, for those of us who have tried to read the report and found it a little <laughs> overwhelming, what, what are the, what's the main gist that the IPCC report told us? <laughs>
5: Yes. Um, for those who feel like it's too much to read it, I also recommend reading the documents from the Climate Council, which summarise really well the report in itself. So it confirms that climate change is already working havoc throughout the world, such so as the mega fires we experienced here in Australia in the summer of 2019, 2020, the fires in Athens this month, the heat waves in Canada, the US, the floods in my home country, Germany, all of them having horrible effects on people, wildlife and um, killing people around the world. And worse is to come. So, the frequency and intensity of those extreme weather events, such as floods and heat waves, is going to increase. And particularly in Australia, that means we're going to experience more and longer um, fire seasons, such as the mega fires. We're going to have more droughts. We're going to have summers of 50 degrees in Melbourne, which I really don't want to imagine. But... And that's all quite bleak but there is still hope and that's what i hold on to and i hope you all can hold on to it the report shows that there's a really narrow pathway for us to at least avoid climate catastrophe and if we can take actions today which means for our government to do a 180 degree turn um, and stop all new investments into coal and gas we can still make a difference in our lifetime and the lifetime of our children children who are about to be born and the next generations mm-hmm.
4: Mm. Well, it's I mean, when the report came out, it was at the same time as there was reports of, you know, 48, 49-degree days in Greece. Yeah. Um, And at the same time as COVID's happening. And one of the things that I kept seeing is, you know, COVID is kind of a dry run for this. You know, like (laughs) if we can't come together, I mean, even in Australia as states, let alone as an international community to to deal with covid on this ongoing blank. before we go um happy mm-hmm. um how are we going to cope with climate change
5: does that make well sense? actually that makes totally sense and i think if you think about COVID, it could have hit australia just during the mega fires right like it was just a month between when we actually in february then had the first wave And like imagine it would have happened at the same time. Our capacity to having support communities that were recovering and at the same time would have experienced COVID would have been terrible. Um, So we were lucky in 2020 in that sense. And I think while, sorry, I'm gonna go into hope again, like that's my default. Um, I think actually our response to COVID is quite uplifting when it comes to climate change. And the climate movement was saying um, if we could respond to climate change the same way we're responding to COVID, which is like listening to the science, um, we have not been listening to the science and climate change for the last 30 years. And um, we can uh, and respond accordingly. We're taking quite drastic measurements, measurements we need to address the global pandemic. We need those same drastic measurements for addressing climate change. And they're actually much more nicer for your life if you want. So going 100% renewable makes also better, cleaner air, um, having a more sustainable world is actually a better world to live in. So we needed the same approach we had to COVID for climate change and we need it now.
3: So when you talk about response to COVID, it's it's very much, you know, we hear from our leaders, but the response has to be individual. And I guess there's a there's a, I suppose, an analogy there as well, in that we want a response from our government. That frequently is disappointing in, in Australia, I think. we Most of us feel that way. Um, But there has to be an individual response as well. And that's where I feel like the hope has to be. What can I do? What action can I take that I know is going to have an impact?
5: The biggest action you can take is call UMP, um, pressure the current government to take action. Because any individual action you can do, such as Go plastic free is great to reduce waste, but it's not going to get us the changes we need on time to actually avoid catastrophic climate change. We're going into federal election next year. So now is the moment to call, keep calling, um, go for government, like do what you just did in the poll and um, put up your hand yourself, make politics better, put pressure onto the parties and don't allow the big part is to avoid addressing a catastrophe that we're facing. At the same time, something that can be easier to do is to have conversations like we're having right now um, mm-hmm. about climate change. Realise that you're not alone. Connect with community and, yeah, take action together. Call you in peace.
4: So it's really leaning your calling for. That's interesting. I think that's really clear to call for. Obviously, we all try and do the little things that we can do or the even big things. But the main game really is we have to assert political pressure. We have to be like citizen activists and let the
5: people who are making the really important decisions know that we're furious. Yes, that's the only way forward. And like, let them know that if they don't, we're going to vote them out and there's no future for them in politics. Oof. Yeah,
3: also, <laughs> I love I it. It.
5: Anyway, but I
4: can still do that. I can. Can I ask you a quick question about kids because I've got a 14 year old and a, a nine year old now and one of the things that I really struggle with is that I think I feel a responsibility to educate them about climate change and and all of the you know all of the changes that are happening in the world but I also think it's a terrible burden at that age when they didn't create this problem and nor can they fix it on their own so that I have that sense of i don't want to give them anxiety frankly about you know little turtles with plastic bags you know what i'm saying so it's a it's a balancing act what do you think about that
5: that they probably already feel anxiety to be honest um like there was a study in 2019 um done that from reach out that in australia one out of like four out of five kids young children like in the age group of your kids already feeling anxiety about climate change. They're worried what it means for the future. A lot of them are considering not having children in the future. So I think the only way to address this is actually have the hard talk with your kids. Um, the Climate Council has really good resources for parents to have conversations with their children on climate change <laughs> and give them the space to air their concern and then connect with others. This is our conversation guide from Climate for Change, um, which helps you to have conversations with everyone your family from your denialist to your supportive friend and then allow your kid to air their concern and then maybe think about actions they can take because, because that gives you hope and connect with others so like for your children i would recommend if they get really like they want to do something a to see the australian Youth climate coalition is an amazing group of young kids and young children um it's teenagers who are like really putting the way forward an action on climate change so it would be a great community to join up or like start a group in your school and then take little actions that might be like reduce plastic or call your mp as well why not mm. say um yeah. i'm concerned for my future like you gambling with my life um yeah and i don't yeah. I want you to stop with it i love
3: the idea oh, of our kids calling yeah. the mps yes I... how can they ignore children um you mentioned that. that i mean Climate anxiety is real. I didn't realize this until I started investigating even Climate for Change, your organization, Lena. Climate anxiety is real. How can we manage that in ourselves?
5: Yeah, I think similar tips. I think the first one is acknowledge that it's happening. Like I think it's happening to every single Australian. If you're not anxious or have fear about the future, you're probably in denial stage. Um, And that's hard to accept. It's like the fear for me, for example, I'm thinking about having children and I'm worried. I'm not sure if that's the right choice or not, and I'm not alone with those thoughts. So how to manage it, Um, have conversations like we're having right now. Talk to others, um, build a community around you that can sustain you. um, And then I'm going to repeat again, take action, call you Mm -hmm. in peace, lead out to them. We have lots of resources on our website how to engage with umps how to have conversation you could do a conversation guide how to host a conversation so that's what we do a lot that's kind of our main business we bring people together online now but before COVID times in their home and you have a conversation between your peers with a gu- volunteer guiding it and often what we see in those conversation is a lot of people who arrive were concerned about climate change but they didn't think about it and in the conversation they realize that they have a joint fear and they convert it into hope community and action Another thing to do is to connect to nature, like do the things that do you well, um, like human connection, purpose, action and find this moment of relief and of break in between.
3: Well, I have to say thank you to you and all the activists that are working in this space because you don't get to dip out, Lena. This is your life and it must, I think, be quite
5: burdensome for you. Yes, it's been my life for the last 20 years. And um, I started as a teenager, pretty much like the student movement did. Mm. And at the time, there was so much hope, like there were so many opportunities we knew exactly the same as we knew now. Um, And it's become more and more clear that we're living at the time. I thought it's the future. And now I realize climate catastrophe is now it's my present, it's my life. Mm. And that has made it harder but it also gives me hope, like I um, have the privilege to working in a space, I can make a difference and I connect to others on a daily basis. And especially Climate for Change, we keep coming across people who for a very long time didn't want to think about it and now through conversations changed their life and are now taking action and that gives me so much hope for the future.
3: Well, I want to encourage people to go to climateforchange.org.au and engage with this amazing organisation. There are lots of other organisations out there that you can connect with. And I, this is my takeaway, make politics better. We can, we yeah. have power. We're not yeah. just little people without a voice. We can demand it from our MPs because, um, oh my gosh, the world relies on it. Thank you so much for that beautiful insight there, Lena. It was really lovely to have you on Broad Radio.
5: Thank
4: you for having me. Thanks, Lena. And I'll be getting my kids to write a letter to the MP because I reckon that's far more effective than, you know, 47-year-old Nellie doing it. You get a letter yeah. from an eight-year-old or a nine-year-old and they go, oh. Yeah, yeah.
5: Yes. Well, you have school strike.
3: Yeah. Well, your local MP probably goes, oh, it's Nellie again. Is that yeah. Nellie? <laughs> I recognise that handwriting. I know.
5: You want to be that person. You need to be the person where they're like, no, not that okay. one again. I am that person. Don't worry about that. (laughs) (laughs) I
3: love it.
0: Cool fact.
1: and quick-dry foam cushions. For Memorial Day, get 15% off your Burrow purchase at burrow.com slash ACAST and up to 25% off outdoor. That's up to 25% off outdoor furniture at burrow.com slash ACAST.
3: All right, so Nellie, it has been really bleak news, but we've decided that yeah. we want to seek out the positive in life because sometimes it's the tiny moments, the mundane, the ordinary the little things that really kind of lift your soul. And we've been asking yep. on our social media this week, what is what is your happy news? Doesn't matter how big or small it is, but what is your happy news that has got you by? Um, tell me about what's been lifting you there, Nelly. Um, i have just trying to make a really conscious
4: effort, like not to pretend to be like, you know, chipper and fine for the kids, but to pretend to be chipper and fine for the kids.
1: Yeah,
4: to kind of in a way like I can't um, let myself sit in the in the shit of this because I don't want my kids to experience it I do allow them to see I do tell them if I'm stressed or you know I'm having a hard day or I hate lockdown Mm. Um, but we try and do things like we've been coloring together, you know, all three of us will sit down at the table and color together. And that was really fun because it meant that we, you know, had conversations and we laughed. We put music on. So I let them choose the music. They chose Rhett and Link. Oh, someone kill me. But, you know, fun. Um, listening to music's lifted, obviously food, you know, (laughs) one day when we had the really big announcement of the extension, I'm like. We're having dine for breakfast. That's what we're doing. I love it. The best. That is so great. Trying to find those little moments.
3: Yes. Well, these are the sorts of things that we had. Lots of people sharing photos on our social media of the things that they've been loving. Lots of visits to the garden. We've had. Um, we've got a gallery there of some photos there. Row. We've got. There's uh, there's Kathy's poppy, which reminds her of her dad. We've got beautiful photos of there's. You've got uh, lilies there. That's Christine's orchid, I believe. We've got. Um, oh, that's Sess, our producer. She grew her first lemon. How exciting is that? What a you good looking lemon and that's rose violets our beautiful producer rose violets there and we've got oh look this is actually an upside down cocky that uh, kathy oh, oh brenda no. brenda took that photo of the cocky hanging upside down in the tree which i really loved um oh, cool. we've got a whole bunch of gorgeous photos i oh, hear this is jeff's chooks laid those eggs he loved that <laughs>
4: Oh, look
3: at the colour arrangement. I know, look at beautiful Jeff's chooks. They're, they're, they're doing okay, those girls. Um, we've got so many gorgeous ones there. And this is from oh. Little Willow Grew that. That's um, Katrina's daughter Willow Grew that daffodil. So some beautiful things in the garden. And uh, we've got actually um, some callers on the line right now. now. Watch me multitask, Nelly. Yeah, this is really quite—it's it. a little bit hairy. Let me tell you, I'm going to go firstly to Nicole, and I'm going to press that button, Hello. and we're going to say hi there, Nicole. Hi, Nicole. Hello, Joe. How are you? Oh, it's so lovely to hear you, Nicole. Say hi to Nelly. Nellie's on the on the show as well. Oh,
4: that's all right. Hi,
3: Nicole. Hi, Nelly. How are you? Now, thing. Nicole. Tell us about your beautiful moment that really lifted your soul in the last week or so of lockdown?
6: Absolutely. So I happened to be talking to my daughter-in-law, Emerson, last Thursday night and we were um, FaceTiming each other. And as I was talking to her, she uh, did an excited little squeal and, and I said, what's going on? And she turned her phone around for me and I could see my five month old grandson rolling from his back to his front for the very first
3: time. Oh Oh. what a moment. And there he is, that's Kyson there that we can see. Look Um, at his little converse. Oh no, isn't he gorgeous? But, Nicole, you were able to actually see that moment, the very first moment they roll over, yes. which I remember was a big moment for my daughter when oh, that happened.
6: Absolutely. Those milestones and, you know, being a grandparent is just, it's, oh, I can't tell you, it's just like even better if you can if you can say that than when, you know, you've got your kitties. It's just a beautiful um, enjoyment um, to see them grow and watch them
3: develop. And what I love too is that you saw it on Zoom, which is sort of sad because you've obviously not been able to get a cuddle with Kaiser for some time. But there's still positive in that, I suppose, that you saw it. Yes,
6: absolutely. I saw it. I didn't miss out on the milestone. And, you know, even though we are all uh, dealing with a significant um, relapse in our freedoms at the moment to be able to see our loved ones, but how good is it to have that technology that mm. I could still experience that milestone?
4: That's yeah. true. You know, I was thinking of, I mean, not that you want to, like, I don't want to diminish what anyone's going through, including me. But you think no. back to, like, Spanish flu or other things like that. They wouldn't have had these options. Like, at least we can connect via phone exactly. and, and all those things, Yeah yes exactly
7: mm.
3: oh nicole it's been lovely to chat with you on broad radio thank you for sharing that beautiful moment with Thanks, Nicole. thank you john ellie thank you absolute delight also on the phone we have and now again watch me i'm gonna multitask see how high tech we are it's amazing Excellent. <laughs> hi there emily how are you going good how are you Emily, tell us about your amazing, good piece of news that you have.
2: Well, I went, I went and dropped off some donations to a not Shop just after the last lockdown um, ended and went in and found a, what, a vase, which I thought was sort of nice. Um, I thought it might be a little bit valuable, but not overly valuable. And anyway, got home and then did some research and found out that it's actually my five dollar vase is actually worth sort of probably eight to twelve thousand dollars. What? Oh yeah, what? So it was a massive win. It was very exciting. And apparently, apparently it's storage like Best ever. It's it. yeah. like an extra story
4: show moment. My goodness.
2: Yeah, it was pretty exciting. So apparently it's a very rare one. The people in the pottery world are very excited by it. And, um, yeah, so it's going to auction uh, later this year. Going to
3: auction? How much did you pay for it?
2: Five dollars.
4: Five bucks. Wow. And I bet you stood there at the op shop thinking, this is a bit overpriced. <laughs> a vase for five hundred and thirty yeah. nine. I
2: was like, "Will I, will I get this?" And I chucked it under the buggy and thought, "Yeah, I'll, yeah, I'll give it a well." And yeah, and it turned out to be worth a Yeah,
4: Wow, that's so exciting. That is that, that is, what is awesome. The cash. Have you got plans for the cash? Uh,
3: look, we've got a leaking roof. so <laughs> it
2: will <laughs> probably go to that, but I'll pro- I'll probably buy something nice for myself as well. I think.
3: Yeah. <laughs> Wow, yeah. I've got to say you've got quite the eye because I would not have picked up that vase. So I, I'm impressed. Thank you.
2: Thanks. I think it'll be the the one and only find like that that I ever have.
3: I you go. A peak. That's okay. That's something that you would dine out on yeah. for the rest of your life. Every time you're at a dinner party, you should tell that story. Absolutely. That should <laughs> go really to. I will. I will. I'll use it. Thanks so much, Emily. Lovely to have you on Broad Radio. No worries. Take care. See Well, there was great celebration during the week when the AFLW expanded so that all of the teams now have an AFLW team. It includes Essendon, uh, Port Adelaide, Sydney Swans and the Mighty Hawks and the coach of the Hawthorne AFLW team joins us now. Bet Goddard, good
7: morning. Morning girls, I'm back. Oh yeah! yeah. Congratulations. I'm back. You know, you know what it's like. It's like you know when Harold Bishop was washed off the, the coast in Erinsborough <laughs> on Neighbours,
1: and he disappeared
7: for five years, and then he and then all of a sudden he turned back up with amnesia, working at the Salvos. That's mm, me, yes. just like that. <laughs> I'm oh, that. Except, <laughs> I, except I don't have amnesia. I, I remember how to do it. Don't worry. Don't worry. This is
3: this is. Good to know. So, I mean, you you took the Adelaide Crows to a grand final and a premiership win in the inaugural
7: year. Are you going to be able to do this in the inaugural year of the Hawks? That's the plan. I mean, <laughs> yeah. one thing I have learned in footy is that you've got to, um, sometimes if you under promise and then over deliver, it's a lot better. Um, and you should never promise Mm. the number of wins and losses. You should just talk about, you know, how how else you're going to mark your success. But, uh, I mean, quite truthfully, um, we're waiting for, you know, sort of some of the rules around who we can draft, how many players we can sort of take from other clubs if they want to come over to Hawthorne, um, how that's all going to work. So we don't even really know what our list is going to look like yet. We know how we want to build it. But um, we've got to lay the foundations of the house for success and then play the footy.
4: And, Beck, I know, like you, I I can't help but have, like, COVID metaphors for obvious reasons, right? But I imagine you are like our chief health officer just sitting there quietly, never say it, but just sitting there quietly going, I fucking told you so. I told
7: you. (laughs) (laughs) You see, this is the thing, like... I can never say that. I can let other people say that, you guys, but it's but not me. But I just – I think it is one of those things that, um, you know, a few years ago when I left Adelaide, I wasn't really sure if I'd be back and I had a bit of a foul taste in my mouth, I suppose, about, about footy and, you know, where women sat in that and you know, particularly for women in leadership positions, whether that be coaching or other areas of footy clubs and departments, and um, we're definitely – starting to change um, our way of thinking and the way that women can add value to traditionally male dominated environments in particular in sport.
3: There's a lot to unpack there in what you're saying because we we are very passionate here at Broad Radio about women in leadership positions and obviously gender equality. And I find it frustrating that you're the only female mm. coach of an AFLW oh, team.
7: Why? Why is, why is this happening? Well, I think there's there's probably a few things to it. You know, COVID is absolutely one of those things that happened. It happened in a whole heap of industries, but footy was one of those ones where money, um, you know, also became really tight. Um, and so people looked at ways, clubs looked at ways to be able to try and fit, um, keep as many staff in under their football soft cap. Um, and so others became a bit expendable. Um and so because of that, and also I think there's some complicating factors in that women haven't held these roles traditionally in football, and so they've had to pave away in other careers, and they're very successful in their other careers and what they do. Um, and so to be able to leave that to take a, a role in footy that is often, you know, like perhaps as an assistant coach or not even an assistant coach, as a development coach, and, you know, own, only earn a tiny amount of money while trying to raise their families, um, you know, keep studying or, you know, t- teach full-time, all of those things, they've got, they can't do it. They simply can't do it. But the biggest one is that I think we need to start actually having women in the conversation and interviewing them for these positions in the first place. And and that's that seems to be the stumbling block. Um, there is a lot of interest in the AFLW now uh, from, from people who weren't interested in it before. It's a way back into a football club. Um, and so to start on that coaching journey, there's, there's a there's a group of you know former players retired players in, in the men's space that look at their way back into a footy club and, and are using that as a pathway to do that
4: mm. can i put a theory to you back now tell me this could be completely off the rector but as a female comedian i get asked like all the time are women funny are women funny even now are women funny and i always respond with well the question is can you find women funny and i think the same yeah. thing applies to a female coach, can you accept the authority of a female coach? Like the money, the everything else, the you know talent pool, all of these things can be sorted out. There should be a female coach in the NBA. There should be a female coach in the AFL, let alone the mm. AFLW. Do you think that there's still an issue of can I see Beck as the boss?
7: Absolutely. Um... And I think even, like, if we look at, like, from a player's perspective, right, they just, they want to be legitimate. They want to be the real deal, you know. They want to be in the public eye and play their sport at the highest level and people go, wow, you know, I'm taking, taking them seriously. So what they've been used to is, you know, an entire lifetime in some circumstances of, of a guy just coaching them footy, whether that was their dad, their boyfriend, their uncle. Um, and now they're coming into a professional football club and they want the guy that's got the access to the footy IP, that's got the legend status at the footy club, that's with all of his mates who then come out to, you know, the club functions and present the footy jumpers. That makes them the real deal. That makes them legitimate. And I think um, our players actually don't understand that that their own, that we're being, women are even being brought into this unconscious bias that, you know, um, women can't coach football. Because we don't we, we haven't been in that space. We, we, can, we haven't been able to get to that state. So it is absolutely about, you know, whether people can see us in those positions. I, I remember when I left Adelaide, I think um, a, a journalist described me as divisive and opinionated. And then, you know, years later, I'm enigmatic and, and quirky. And, <laughs> and, um, but also, you know, if you're divisive and opinionated, that sort of makes me think of Donald Trump, not of me in footy, you know, it's no. just because I was the only woman at the time. In a voice of all of the same of what we're used to seeing in, in football which is that same voice which is what we define coaching and what we define leadership as is wasn't he a strong leader mm. and in response to me it's like oh she's good but she's not quite ready yet or she's too emotive mm. you know but all those other qualities those same qualities are, are really valuable to men in yeah the life. also uh,
4: very- Definitely.
3: But yeah. yeah, and when you see men who traditionally we have had coaches who are male and divisive and opinionated, and they love that
7: in a man. Mm. <laughs> that's right, because you're allowed to be that in that yeah. space. But it's a bit different when when you, you finally get a woman in and it's that's like that. But I mean, I don't really what what I don't want to do is like is make this argument of oh, men versus women. What mm. I'd love to, but in our football industries, is that there are there are so many great guys in it that that want to see women do well. We need to be able to elevate those women and give them the chance first rather than the flip, flip way around. There's actually so many women that are ready that have done all the courses, that are, you know, saying the right things. To them. But we need to lose this idea of, oh, they're good but they're not quite ready yet. Well, when will they be ready? Mm-hmm. Like how long is the microwave going to keep going on for? Just give them the job and if you still think they're not quite ready, just put a great senior assistant around them and see what can happen. What's the worst that's going to happen? You're not going to lose a game of football because of the woman.
4: Yeah. You know, you're going to also- lose a game of football because of
7: something else.
4: This sort of circular argument as well that, I mean, again, the same thing happens in comedy, in the media as well. It's like, well, we haven't got an experienced pool. Well, how are these women going to get experienced until you let them on the stage, you know, or give them coaching positions? Like you can't, you know, it's literally impossible to get experience without opportunity.
7: Yeah, on the job is, is the most important thing. Um, and, you know, we, we can we can just... We can talk about it forever, but really, it's time. There are some great Mm. women available. The the passage of time has come long enough. Um, The game's growing rapidly, but we've got women ready to go. Let's just, just give them a go.
3: What's really exciting though, Bec, is the amount, I mean, we've seen girls football just explode since the AFLW (laughs) began and they all look up to you and see you as a real trailblazer and a role model, which you are. Um, It's exciting to know that it's shifting from the ground roots up.
7: Yeah, It is, and I even, you know, a couple of weeks ago, I, I, I'm, I'm back in Canberra for work at the moment, and I, I went out and watched some local footy here, and but all of the grounds around the main women's game, there are lots of smaller ovals, and all of those grounds are filled with um, young girls, you know, playing footy with all the parents standing around. It was just completely normal, and something that we wouldn't have seen 10 years ago. Yeah.
3: And when you, when you
4: rock up to the, because, you know, I've got a footy background, you know, when you're drive into the ground and you get your hot dog and you sit in the car and you watch it up. When you rock up to a local game in Canberra, do you walk in like, you know, Beyonce's just walked in? Like, what's
1: the
7: <laughs> to uh, still pay, still pay my $2 for entry. <laughs> um. And it's so funny. Like, oh, I just love going to the local footy. It's the smell of the grass and you can almost yeah. smell the urinals of the old community grounds yeah. as you're walking in. It's like toxic smell, but but it's also yeah. a friendly reminder of your, your childhood and growing up, you know. Mwah! I love it. <laughs> I mean, who, what what woman says that? Um, None. Yeah, look, sometimes I if, if I just want to sit there quietly and, and just not let anyone know I'm the footy, I just sort of take the glasses off and wear a hat and nobody knows who I am. Right.
4: Oh. <laughs> you know, yeah yeah so I told her, like, I've i got a 14 year old and one of her best friends is like I can't tell you how obsessed she is with AFLW and when I told her I was interviewing awesome. you I, I mean I've never seen anything like it it was like the excitement like I could see she was desperate <laughs> to say can I come like, <laughs> but I a shout out for Caitlin there you go
7: that's oh. cool that is really cool
3: it's it's really beautiful because my daughter's just started playing footy back, and um, she's a very she's the shortest and the skinniest in the team, and and it's it she's joined a team that has been playing for a couple of years, so she's learning the skills as well. But her love of the, I think it's the permission to be rough and muddy and wrestle and yeah. just get in and not care about anything but getting that ball is so uh uplifting for her she just loves it so much and and i found i had to call myself out on a bias that i didn't realize when i first saw their team because there's some really natural players these girls are just fast and really agile and i was Mm -hmm. surprised and i'm like why am i surprised that is a bias there because for years we've had football controlled by male thought and i was like of course there are girls that
7: are natural footy players And even then, you know, like you, you, your other unconscious bias, oh, you know, she's little and skinny. Like i mm. tell you now, one of the best players I ever saw in Victoria uh, was Shannon McFerrin. And now she's she's retired now, but she, I think she's something like a, a 12-time All-Australian, uh, Helen Lambert medalist, captain of Victoria for so many years. And she was just small, skinny, sleek, um, and just did the work of the little people so creatively. Um, that's what your daughter's gonna be. I can I can tell already You've had to even looking at it. Tell her, tell right. her tell her to keep that on it. And she'll wear the long sleeves, all right? Yes. Cover yeah. it up like yeah. Shannon did too. You know, protect <laughs> the little the little the bones. <laughs> right. Around. Whatever it does yeah. to make her feel better, she can she can do that.
4: Imagine what would have been said to Paddy Mills as he was coming up, you know, and approaching the NBA. He's little and skinny. Mm. You know, like he's yeah. he, one of the best players in the NBA. Mm. So like you say, there's a yeah. function for everyone.
3: Yes. Now, um, I do have to just pick you up on something that you have put on your Instagram back, oh, and yeah. um, that is, were well, you claim to have the best Labrador? And mm. I, I mm-hmm. have I have the best Labrador whose name is Daisy and uh, you have two oh. Labradors it seems. But it, it made me laugh because uh, um, Labrador owners are a special breed in ourselves, don't you think?
7: Um, they are. They're, they're human. I've obviously been out with mine this morning. I actually got a brown Labrador so when Hawthorne wins a premiership I can strike him gold. Um. <laughs> um wow. But he, um, his, his, his name's Howard, and I named him after what I say is Australia's greatest prime minister, obviously John. He's got the same eyebrows, you know, sort of <laughs> bushy, <laughs> and um, he loves footy. He goes everywhere with me, and um, yeah, he's a he's a Hawthorn fan.
3: But there's another there's another lab there too. There's
7: a black one. Stanley yeah he's a he's a young one he's a he's a he's a young one um I think I think he was sort of aiming for sort of Collingwood status he's got a bit of a sort of a broken tooth (laughs) he's got um like it sort of sits in the middle of the mouth and with a bit of an underbite so that's sort of aside from his so we can stripe him white. If Collingwood ever wins one, but he's got yeah. he's got the tooth the teeth set there
3: too. I just know as a, a fellow Labrador, and my my husband started a Labrador parents WhatsApp group um, because <laughs> we we because you become obsessed with the they're just such. Big hey, I, I've got
4: I've got, to, I've got to interrupt here and say the view from where I'm sitting, as a dog lover, is that Labrador owners are all up yourselves. You all up yourselves. <laughs> we are. Stop talking about those fucking dogs. <laughs>
3: <Yeah>. <laughs> that's because they are the best dogs, don't you reckon, Beck? I mean, it's just
7: a fact. But they how- are. I had I had a be- I had a beagle oh, before look. I had um Howard Howard and Stanley, and I named him Crawford after um Shane Crawford, obviously another Hawthorn great. But uh, the beagle was nowhere near like the, the Labrador. The mm. Labrador's oh, are just unbelievable. What I can
4: yeah, Don't you give me your diversity spiel with your beagle,
7: right? <laughs> long yeah, long yeah, way. look, I tried to mix it up. <laughs> I tried to mix yeah. it up, but he, they just weren't interested in humans, whereas yeah. the Labrador, they're, they're, they're addicted. Yes. Maybe
4: well, the beagle just didn't like you, back.
7: Okay, we could put it to that, but I find <laughs> that hard to believe. I find it hard to believe also.
3: I do too, actually.
7: Anyway. <laughs> The fact is, though, Beck,
3: it means if you are a Labrador owner as I am, it means your house is full of hair and I'm guessing you've uh-huh. got furniture that's chewed through and mm-hmm. you just can't have nice oh, things. Oh, a
7: white, yeah, yeah I got a, a white, I had a white leather couch. I don't know why I had that. Um, it's gone now. Uh, <laughs> yeah. The hot water system that was eaten, the coffee machine that was eaten, my wallet at one point that was eaten. Yeah, there were quite a few things that went through. Mm. Um, Stanley when he was young um and uh yeah and now Howard he's just he's living a happy life his best life here mm. got his own couch you know but they're great awesome. maybe I can get on the whatsapp group you know and we can all yeah sort of share the stories together I'll add yeah. you I will add you to the to the whatsapp <laughs> the can lateral parents group
4: football I can't believe I'm like gonna say that sentence but can I bring us back to football yes and just yes say yeah yeah <laughs> um, like, it's hard for a, comedian, for a comedian to be sincere, but can I sincerely say to you, like, as a mum with daughters, I'm so fucking proud of you. Mm. Like, I really am. It's really important Thanks, guys. to have um, role models like you that they can look up to. And I know role models are heavy, like, thing to carry, but we need them. Like, It's an honour.
7: It's a, it's a, it's honestly, it's a badge of honour. I'm glad that um, I can do it. I'm glad that I'm back and... uh you know, I'm not, I'm not going to be quiet, like Audre Lorde said. I'll be deliberate and afraid of nothing. And uh, I can't wait to get stuck back into I... it.
3: That gave me chills, be
7: deliberate oh, and afraid
3: of nothing. Oh, I love it.
4: Jesus, this is getting out of control. I'm going to have to start follow. I don't have a team. So oh, I am a... no. <laughs> You've converted like her to the, the Hawks. Hawks. Looks like it's the Hawks. <laughs>
3: I'm going to I'll be deliberate and afraid of nothing. I'm writing that down, deliberate yes. and afraid of nothing. Oh. Well, Beck, thank you so much. I'm a Collingwood supporter, so it hurts me to say go Hawks on your behalf, um, but I can't thank wait you. to see you guys hit the competition next year. It's super exciting. Thanks so much for spending time with us today. I know you've got to go off and walk the dogs perhaps, so it's been <laughs> lovely to have you. Come the Hawks. Thanks for having me, girls. <laughs> <laughs> go the Hawks. Nelly, I can't believe it. Yeah. Oh, okay. What a show we've had, Nellie. It's been awesome. I have to go and sort out my beautiful Labrador Daisy. You've oh. got a dog. What's your dog's name?
4: So I've got Chewy the Labradoodle mm. and Ralph, we don't know. We got him rescue something. Yeah. Something small. Something, something, something.
3: And smelly. Small and smelly. <laughs> hey, thanks for uh, spending the last hour and a bit with me. It's exactly. been absolutely delightful.
1: We'll see you again
3: soon and all the best in lockdown 2700. We'll be okay. We'll get through.
4: The love that shall never speak its name.
3: (laughs) (laughs) Take care, darling. And we'll have more Broad Radio next week. We'll see you then. Bye.
0: Here's a cool fact. A crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Another cool fact, you can get short-term health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans are designed for people who are between jobs, coming off their parents' plan, or turning a side hustle into a full-time gig. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. Get more cool facts about United Healthcare short-term plans at UH1.com.
1: When you make decisions for your company, you look for the no-brainers. And if you have a lot of mailing to do, Stamps.com is the ultimate no-brainer.